Hi everyone, Corey here. You know, I love superheroes and one of my favorite things to do is to lead service couples and individuals through strengths coaching. Kind of like discovering you have superpowers, you would be amazed at what you've been created to do, you just may not know it yet. I've led hundreds if not thousands through their strengths journey and I've seen couples increase communication, reduce conflict, and my favorite is when I see a military or first responder spouse finding their identity again after years of revolving around the service lifestyle. Strengths coaching can be done online and is not counseling, so we can work together regardless of where you are today or are going tomorrow. As a certified Gallup Strengths Coach, I can help you see your worth again and even help you see your spouse with new eyes. Head on over to life-giver.org and go to Work With Corey to schedule your first session. I'm giving all of my listeners 15% off their first session with me just to try it out. Simply use the promo code FIRST at checkout. Thanks for listening and thanks for spreading the word about the podcast. Welcome to season four of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your service family and home. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to take this opportunity to invest in you. We live so much of our life on things that we can't do. Watching and having a son who is physically and mentally disabled. But when I see him do one thing that I was told he wouldn't do, I every day remind myself, I'm turning every can that I have into a can. If my son will work desperately to get a sound out of his mouth, then I can work to turn one of my cans that I don't think I can do into a can. Welcome to another episode of the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. And if you have been listening for a while, you know that a huge topic that I'm seeing in the spouse culture, both military and first responder spouses, is an issue of identity and purpose. Um, We covered that in the very first episode for season four. And I thought to myself, who can I bring onto the podcast that can address this specific topic, and that is my good friend, Brittany Bacher. Brittany is the 2017 AFI Military Spouse of the Year, and she has made this her mission to go and help spouses understand their identity and purpose, regardless of what season of life that they're in. And she has created a Discovering Your Spark program, workbook. We're going to talk all about that, but I just want to first start off by saying, hi, Brittany, my good friend, Brittany, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. Well, you, I I guess let's start from the very beginning on why was this your topic? Why was this your platform? Because when you first were, you, when you were first given the title 2017 spouse of the year, um, I really saw you really doing a whole lot more with um, the EFMP program. You have a special needs child. I know that's part of your story here, Um, but that has since evolved into helping spouses from a much larger spectrum, a much larger perspective addressing this issue of identity and purpose. So why don't you take us through, like, how did you make this your passion? Why this? So it's really interesting because when the award happened, I was strictly focused on the exceptional family member program within the military of all branches. And really just in general, the, um, the community at large with disability. And that was because of my son. And at the time, I think he was only, um, like two at the time. So it was still very fresh. It was something that I was going through every day. Um, but once I had the opportunity to start traveling and speaking with military spouses, 
um, at different bases, I started journaling what they were saying. And I would um, go back and read over my journal of several months. And what I learned is that spouses were, they were all addressing concerns. And they, these concerns, I thought, okay, this has to be the surface level with the spouses. But I wanted to know, like, what was the root problem underneath all of these concerns? Because they were very much across the board. You kept seeing the same issues that, you know, spouses had. Um, and so I did like my, my own inventory, my own like kind of self inventory and reading this journal. And it came to me that this was identity. The struggle of, with employment came back to what do they, what does a military spouse really want to be? What did they really want to be? What do they want to do? The struggle with education, like everything could be tied back to knowing their foundation, what they wanted to do, what they were passionate about, and then actually living it. And so that's how the idea of um, the workbook started. And it's really evolved. I mean, now to the workbook and presentations. Um, and we're just continuing to grow that in the community because the need is, is very great. And um, it's not something that's isolated to the military. I mean, this is, this is a human being issue is finding your purpose. Yeah. And I'm seeing that as well as I was um, also traveling around and seeing spouses and having these conversations. And I'm also seeing it in counseling and coaching and working with relationships. Um, again, I agree with you that it's absolutely a human issue and maybe it's even a seasonal issue too. And I think I, I would love to nerd out with you on that too. <laughs> but um, I, I guess what I was seeing is that um, especially for serving spouses, so military and first responder spouses, I was seeing that because we take on so much at home and our life is so much revolving around the serving spouse and their schedule, um, it's, there's, it's with great joy that we revolve around them and take care of the kids and take care of the budget and take care of, of whatever the household tasks. Um, and we do that with great excitement, especially in the beginning. But what I have seen is that as that goes throughout the years, um, we've, we become less and less of ourselves and more and more about taking care of everybody else to the point that I see spouses at a place where they don't even know who they are anymore because when, um, when they have an idea or a passion or something that they want to do, they have to sacrifice that because of the schedule or sacrifice it because of the moving or relocation. And so they just become less and less of themselves and not even listening to the own desires of their heart. Absolutely. So that's what I was seeing. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And within the spouse community, I can say in my experience is this is not something that is like for new spouses or what we call seasoned spouse, it was across the spectrum. It, it has been spouses that have been in three months as a military spouse, and it is spouses who have been with their service member for 30 years. And across the whole you know, spectrum, it was the same thing. It was struggling with who they really were, what as a military spouse they wanted to do. And then the other thing was overcoming the, the like barrier or challenge that they had in the way as to why they couldn't be what they wanted. Because Ooh, a lot of unpack that a little bit. Yeah. So a lot of the spouses that I have talked to, when I asked them about, you know, what did you want to be before you became a military spouse, you know, and really get into that, but more importantly, getting into the why. So it was getting into, 
okay, well, why did you want to be a photographer? This, this came up just last week in my travels. There was a military spouse who said, I wanted to be a photographer. And I'm like, why? And, you know, and so she started unpacking the why, you know, the enjoyable thing for her. It's something she's really good at. It's in a creative outlet. Like she gave me all of these reasons as to why. And I followed up with, well, do you own a camera? No. Have you taken courses to help yourself in photography? No. And we started going through all the things that she would need in order to do that, her passion. And then we talked about what was preventing her. So, so we knew the why, we knew what she wanted. We knew the why we knew some of the challenges and like really thinking about those barriers. And there was barriers of money. There was barriers of you know, scholarships for school and education. There was barriers on move. And we just unpacked it in the room together with spouses and said, you know what? If this is what you're passionate about, I want you to go home. I want you to get an envelope and I want you to put $20 a month in that envelope because you're worth it. You are valuable enough to invest $20 in yourself. Now, you're not going to see this change overnight, but eventually that envelope is going to have the amount of money that you need to get that camera. And if photography is what you wanted to do and you want to take classes, there's an abundant amount of resources for college education and courses and scholarships and that we could help find those resources. And so um, a lot of times it's just helping the military spouse themselves, like work it out and see it on paper and hear themselves say it. Because once you start making them unpack it, you can see the light go off like, oh, okay, now I get it, you know? And, um, and when I walk away from everything, it's really, it's really hard for some people to accept. And there was a point in my life where I couldn't, but, um, it was, we have to get out of our own way and stop preventing ourselves from doing what we love and we're passionate about. And we have to start filling our cup and not filling our time. Those are two big things. You can fill your time all day long and your cup's empty or you could fill your cup. So Ooh, I want you to unpack more about that here in just a minute. Um, so if I don't ask you about it, make sure we address it again. <laughs> but what I, what I want to ask you first though, is um, you mentioned some of the obstacles. So let's unpack for just a minute of, because there's a lot of people listening that are saying, you know, but I think I know what my identity is. I'm a wife and I'm a, I'm a mom. That's what I, my identity is. I'm a wife and I'm a mom. And that when I did the survey, the anonymous uh, military and first responder and veteran spouse survey, well, I, I asked the question, what is your sense of identity and purpose? And probably that was the number one answer I got. I'm a wife, I'm a mom. Um, those that weren't a mom, I'm a wife. And so, but I also got blank. Like, I don't even know what my identity is. Um, and my concern on those answers is that that was all, it wasn't that, um, that that's not a good purpose to love your family well and to, and to pursue your marriage. My concern was that they didn't see anything outside of that um, other than what they did for others in the home. And so I know that this is a tricky thing to talk about because I am, again, not saying that you shouldn't give your best to your family. But what I was seeing, and it sounds like what you're seeing, is that people can give everything to their family and still lack joy. And so I'd love for us to kind of sit in the pocket here for just a minute and talk about what are you seeing specifically that are those obstacles 
that are keeping people from understanding that this is an identity purpose issue? I think specifically, you know, just speaking to like that, the military spouse, you know, just in that realm, I think what happens is um, they have this sense of responsibility that's on them. You know, um, I gave the example last week, you could be an active duty military spouse and your service member come home on a Thursday and say, I'm leaving on Sunday. And the service member is not at all going to be focused on how the kids are getting to and from school, any doctor's appointments that were coming up, is the power of attorney ready? You know, is, was there any maintenance that needed to be done on the house? Like their focus is to get that bag packed and to be where they need to be on Sunday. But the military spouse who's at home, which I like to call the chief everything officer at home, they are the ones who are covering all of that. I mean, they're, whether they have children or not, they're, they're taking care of the finances, they're taking care of the scheduling, they're taking care of the maintenance on vehicles, homes, um, they're prepared, they, they have the power of attorneys ready, they have everything in place. And so I think because of the amount of responsibility that lies on the roles of military spouses and first responders, just that kind of lifestyle, that they don't, I don't think they feel like there's an opportunity for them. Like, I feel like maybe they just think they're, I'm needed in all these other places that there's not really an, any leftover opportunity for them. And, and I've been in that cycle myself where, you know, everybody else has needed me and I'm so busy with what everybody needs me to be that I don't have time to be me. And yes, I'm a mom and yes, I'm a spouse and all of those things. And they do make up part of my identity, but that's not my whole identity. And those are roles that I play, but not necessarily exactly who I am. That makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. And here's, here's a question. I want to see if you're seeing the same thing that I'm seeing. Um, one of my favorite things to do, um, this is kind of like a, a sick favorite thing to do, but it proves the point because I'm always looking for, um, where, especially in a counseling session, when I'm working with a couple and the natural tendency is for a couple to think that I'm going to overly focus on the serving spouse, right? Because they've got the interesting job um, or he's had the deployments, she's had the deployments, whatever. Um, and I think for the sake of this discussion, I think I would like to focus on the spouse being more so a female. Um, I would love to get the data on male spouses, but I, from some of the research that I've seen, from male spouses, I am seeing that most male spouses are usually working and dual service uh, and have kind of that sense of identity wrapped up in something in their talents and giving of those talents and jobs. So I know there's some research in that. So for the sake of this discussion, I think I'd like to focus on these, what I call the supporting spouse, the chief officer of everything, however <laughs> you said that, being a female. Okay. Um, but one of my favorite things that I like to do when I have a couple sitting in front of me, because there is that tendency to think that I'm going to overly focus on the serving spouse, is I like to balance the scales and ask the spouse questions about them. Ask questions about what they love to do or, um, or what they do with their time or if they have a passion of something that they do. So when I ask something like um, either how are you doing? which is a simple question, how are you doing? Or what is it that you like to do? 
I have one of two reactions and I would love to know, Brittany, what you're seeing. But the two reactions that I get is either bursting into tears because no one has asked them that question at all, um, or they burst into tears because it's such a deficit. Like they are, they have been needing somebody to ask that for so long and they have, they're painfully aware that they don't have an answer mm -hmm. or I get a blank stare that is, I don't, I don't even know. I haven't even had a chance to think about it. Like I, I wasn't even prepared for you to ask me that question. So I'm wondering, are you seeing something similar? Yes. I would say eight out of every 10 spouses are in the blank stare of, I have no idea how to answer that question. And they're uncomfortable with it uh, because I don't think they've really taken the opportunity to really think about themselves for a very long time. And mm -hmm. so they're uncomfortable with it. They don't know what to say or how to answer it. Um, and then I would say the other two out of those 10 are the ones that break down and they're just like, we're in that position where they just needed somebody to recognize <laughs> like they're at that point, you know, I need somebody to recognize where I'm at and I'm hanging on by thread. You know, you have that. So I, I agree a hundred percent. It's, it's very sad to me. And I think that there's probably some people listening that are like, nope, not me. Like, I know my purpose. Um, and maybe you feel like you do. Um, maybe you feel like you're in a really good spot. And maybe we can talk about in a few minutes those that are in a good spot and why. I covered a little bit of that in the first episode as far as my best guesses of, of what people are doing right. Um, but is there anything else that you're noticing as far as those that, um, actually, let's ask, let's answer this question. Talk to everybody about seasons. Like, you know, we've got different seasons of, of being a military spouse. You said you're seeing this even if they've been married for decades yeah. and doing this for decades, but there's definitely seasons of life. Like I know when my kids were really young that I didn't know who I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. Um, so, and, and I didn't have time to do a whole lot. So talk to me about what you're seeing from different spouses from different seasons of life. So it's really funny because the, so the spouses that are um, typically like when I, and when I reference younger, I mean like the less time of being a spouse. Okay. So they're, they're newer spouses into the military community. Um, those are the ones that I see who are just in a position to where they, they might know what they want to do and know, but on the other hand, they don't know how to do it. So they're kind of in the limbo spouse, you know, and trying to figure it out. And then there's this season of a spouse who maybe their kids are no longer preschool age and they've started school. And that's the spouse that I see that sometimes is like, well, I mean, I'm a stay at home mom right now. I always wanted to do this. And then when you talk like, well, why, what barriers are in place. It's more of a barrier of, well, I haven't done it in five. I've been at home for six or seven years. I've been out of the, you know, game of doing something. Um, or you get that answer. And then you also get that. I'm just trying to keep the house afloat. Like I'm trying to keep up with deployment tempo and work tempo and where we're going next and being available if the kids are sick because X, Y, and Z. So there's that season. Um, and then it's funny, the, you know, the one that I thought would be who really knew what they were doing 
what they're passionate about and purpose, I thought would be the spouses closer to retirement and transition. And honestly, those are, are in the exact same boat as the others because, and honestly, I think to a point, even a little bit, you know, I don't want to use the word worse, but like kind of a little more severe because they're in a situation where their service member is one foot in the military and one foot out is about to leave their security blanket that they've had for 20 plus years and doesn't really know what they're doing. And then you have the military spouse who's always had that, that rock at home. Who's like, this is my job. This is what I'm doing. We, we know that this is going to be a crazy life where we're going to move, but we know that. Whereas now it's like, okay, when my spouse doesn't know what he's doing, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's about to happen, where we're going. And I think a lot of those spouses are afraid to commit to getting involved in something and having to just leave it. Um, and so the, when I do talk to spouses, whether, whether your passion is to volunteer or be class mom at your kid's school or work outside or inside the home, whatever it is, um, I've seen a lot of the barriers is that, um, you know, I don't want to just go volunteer for six months and then have to leave this team, you know, and leave them high and dry. Like, I don't want to do that. I'd rather just not get involved than be involved for six months and leave something better than you found it. We're choosing to stay at home and not get involved because we think it's better off for everybody. Yeah, nobody does better. Uh, it's a mindset. It's just, it's a mindset thing. You know, it's, it's a, I think we, we do that. And that's why I tell spouses all the time. I'm like, it's, it's really us. Like we, we just have to get out of our own way and stop preventing ourselves from doing something. Um, and, and I, I was that person. I got into that cycle where, you know, I didn't volunteer. I didn't advocate because I thought, well, if I start this advocacy project here and we get orders to move, then you know, I've just put all of this in and who's going to take it over. And it'd just be better if I wait until we get to our next spot. But then, you know, the cycle, you get to the next spot and you're just trying to get your, you know, trying to get everything in order. And before you know it, you're like, well, I've been here a year yep. already. You know, and that is part of the cycle, by the way. I mean, so many uh, military spouses um, talk about, um, it takes a good year to settle in and then you start to think about reaching out, but then you get orders within that six months and then you don't get anything and you don't plug in at all. Um, I want to go back to what you said about the more seasoned spouses. Um, I had the, this thought um, where it's almost like carving into wood that, you know, as you, if I was carving into a piece of wood, like a circle. And just like mm -hmm. kept going round and round and round into that piece of wood. Um, I see a lot of our more seasoned spouses as like just every, um, maybe every assignment or every five years, or every year, whatever. The point is, is that we loop around in the same issue again and again. And, and we carve a deeper and deeper groove into our identity that our identity is this military lifestyle. Our identity, our identity is, you know, what I've always done. And so I would think that, the longer somebody lives through this lifestyle, the more they kind of etch into their being and into their identity that um, this is what I am. I am a stay-at-home mom. I am a volunteer of only this or 
whatever that is, but it's, it can be really hard to change that mindset into going, you know, where is your spark? Where, what is the thing that brings you joy? Um, and if you found yourself just in this groove for decades and you're not experiencing joy anymore, that it's, it can be hard to get out of that mindset and realize that there can be something else. Yes. And that's one of the, I talk to the spouses about this because, um, when, when we work through the workbook that I wrote, this is one of those areas of really trying to help them, um, recognize what they always wanted or recognize what they're passionate about. Um, and then seeing where they are today and also seeing that it could just look different for them. This is a big thing. So, um, I've had, um, military spouses say, well, you know, I always wanted to be a nurse and we list out the why, and this is the most important thing that I can tell anybody. So if you're a journaler, if you're going to try to do a self inventory on yourself, the why is what's important because the title of nurse is just the, the title. And if you have this aspiration or passion to be a nurse, the why is, do you want to care for somebody? Are you wanting to take care? Are you wanting to provide um, security? Are you wanting to see somebody get better growth? Whatever your why is for wanting to be a nurse, putting that on paper and then challenging yourself to say, what else in life exists around these why statements? What other things match this? Because I can guarantee you most of the time when I hear a spouse say, I want to be a nurse for these reasons and they're a mom right now, those exact same reasons you could put as why you're a mom and it looks different. And we have to like change our mindset in saying, I just thought it was going to be being a nurse, but I'm really fulfilled on that. Why being a mom? Oh, okay. Uh, let's, let's camp out on this for just a second. Cause this is so important. Um, okay. So on one hand, what I was seeing and what I am seeing is people feeling, um, I'm some, not everybody, some feeling that their life is revolving around being a wife and being a mother and feeling like there, there's something missing from their life. Um, and what you're saying is, is whatever they feel like they're missing from their life, if they can discover what that is and define the why that's so important that they can then apply that to back being a mom and wife and it will completely shift their perspective that they can still hold the same roles, but have a new identity and sense of purpose. Yes. Okay. So it's a whole statement of like the way you think affects the way you feel affects your behavior. Right. So we've just, it's this big mindset thing. I, I, for the longest time, I was one of those people that was like, oh, I know, I hear all the time positive thinking, positive thinking, and what it does. But there's more to that. That That is true. The positive thinking thing is so true and the mindset thing. But it's it's being able to understand and recognize that why. So for me, I I wanted to work in a nonprofit. I wanted to be an executive director. That was my passion but it wasn't the title. The title wasn't my passion for the longest time. I thought that's what it was, but it was when I looked at it and said, why, why do you want to work in nonprofits? And it was, I wanted to serve people. I had a servant heart. 
um, I wanted to make a difference in my community. Those were my whys when I wrote it out. And you fast forward to today, when I look at the last five years in my life, my volunteer work, my advocacy work, and now this workbook, the reason I did all of those were the exact same why as to me wanting to be an executive director, but it looks different. And I had to bridge that in my mind and say, oh, wait, I am content. I am my definition of success. I am doing what I'm passionate about. It just looks different than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to recognize that. And, um, and that none of these examples are less than as long as they're yeah. addressing the why. Yes. Yes. Okay. As long as you're, you're addressing that why. And I, I think the problem with our just people in general is we do live busy lives and it's hard to look at the why. It's hard to go that extra level. Why one is level that? Why do you think that is? I think because if we look at the why we're, um, we're doing something like for ourselves, we're taking time away from other responsibilities that maybe we have. Um, we're taking a look and recognizing that maybe there's places I need to make an improvement. Maybe there's some things that I'm not, you know, addressing. And that's a hard thing to accept for anybody. Maybe there's things that you're, um, are definitely becoming a weakness rather than a strength for you, you know? And so taking a look at that why can be hard for people because some people might be afraid of that why too. I think it's also, I agree with all of those. And I think it's also a feeling of hopelessness. Like I don't want to take a look at this thing that I think might um, either spark joy or this thing that I felt like I needed to sacrifice um, in order to live this lifestyle um, because it hurts too bad. And because I'm angry and I don't know what to do with it. So, you know, there's so many, and this is, I love the fact that you're applying this. That's why I keep repeating it. I love the fact that you're applying this to not so much about whether or not you have a job or whether or not you're volunteering. This is about how you can find your sense of identity, regardless of what season you're in, regardless of how much time you have to do anything outside of the home. This is an internal heart issue. And so um, I think that there's a lot of people that, sacrifice their, their jobs and their careers in order to um, keep their marriage together, keep their family together. And so for them to put this why down on paper and go, why is it that I wanted to be a clinician? Why is it that I wanted to be a nurse? Um, I think that they don't know the solution to it because it feels like I, I just can't in this kind of lifestyle, there's just no way. And so because that's too hard to take a look at, it makes them too angry or makes them too discontent or resentful. They would rather just not think about it at all and just say, no, I'm going to sacrifice this passion and desire that I have in my life because right now I'm just supposed to support my spouse. Right now I'm just supposed to revolve around their schedule. And so they um, dissociate with it or push it down. And I think that's also why we're getting these blank stares because we're hitting on something that people don't want to bring up and talk about anymore because they have sacrificed it to the God of the military to say, um, I, like you said before, I'm not worth that. I've already deemed myself unworthy of having that thing that I thought that I wanted. And I thought that I was sacrificing that for the greater good of serving my family. And so I have to disassociate myself from it. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, 
you know, to recognize and sometimes live, you know, with your passion, like, and your purpose, you know, it can be hard because there are times where I know I have many roles and many hats to wear personally, you know, as a mom, as a spouse, as a military spouse, as the mother of a special needs child. Um, But sometimes, you know, one of my other, and I have many passions, serving others is one, um, but I'm very passionate about um, doing kind of self-reflection and um, your own like kind of life coaching, internal life coaching, like bettering myself constantly. That's something that I love. And for the longest time, I realized I wasn't, I wasn't grabbing that journal. I wasn't doing that Bible study. Um, I wasn't spending that time on my internal, like myself. Um, And I realized it would be okay as a special need mom, if my son did not get that extra flashcard session at home, and I took 10 minutes to go read or journal, or it would be okay if I ordered pizza tonight and didn't cook dinner so that that time I could take for myself and grab that Bible study book and do that for me. But I had to really, I had to know that why I had to accept that I am valuable and worthy of that time and deserving of being able to do that and allow myself to accept that. So, so let's talk about what you're experiencing as you are now getting to travel um, and actually take this message to spouses. And I've heard some of these stories. I'm so excited for you to be able to share with other people the impact that it's having because um, it's, it's truly the perfect time. The time is pregnant for this, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so as you're traveling around and helping people, um, maybe, maybe unpack a little bit about your workbook and about the workshop and what you are taking around. You're, you've partnered with the USO and they're helping you take this message to various installations. So tell everybody a little bit more about Discovering Your Spark. So really, Discovering Your Spark is a workbook that is a, a life inventory like workbook. It's really, you're going to get out of it what you're going to put into the book and how honest you want to be. And so um, the book really goes into clarifying your purpose, like who you were before becoming a military spouse. Like what did you want to be? What were you passionate about? But not only that, what did other people see in you? This is another key point for me. It's like, what did other people think you were going to be? What, how do other people define you? And then really taking a look at how you define yourself and how other people define you and circling the things that you agree with and the things that you don't. So for me personally, I'm super open and raw in my presentations. And I'm like that because if I can be raw and open, other military spouses will open up as well with their stories. And so, um, you know, what I have come to find from the attendees so far who've come to the class, um, they did not expect to walk into something as deep as it gets. It does get deep. Um, we do address, you know, things that sometimes bring up tears and sometimes bring up laughter in the room. Um, the good thing is we um, start in the beginning with, with what military spouses wanted to be before they became a military spouse. And then we really focus on um, 
talking about how they define themselves, but more importantly, how others define them. Um, and then I have them circle between both of those boxes what they agree with. Um, and one of the reasons is because sometimes we don't see what other people see in us. We, for whatever reason, is before us. And this happens to me a lot as a special need parent. I hear from other moms and dads, oh my gosh, you're so strong. I just don't know how you're so strong to raise your child. To me, I don't see myself as strong. I see myself as a parent, as any other parent. And this is my normal. My special need child is my normal. So I don't see myself any differently. So that's a very hard word. And how somebody defines me as strong, it's hard for me to accept that one. And so when we look at it on paper and we use the workbook, it, it's this tool that really helps us visualize what's going on in our life, visualize that life inventory. And sometimes, you know, now when I hear somebody say strong, I don't look at it negatively. I really take the opportunity to appreciate that and appreciate how somebody else identifies me. Um, and then other things in this book, we really talk about life changing moments and do we allow those moments to change the trajectory of how we're living life. So for instance, for a military family, do you allow the life changing moment of a PCS to a new geographic location define how you're living life? And a lot of times military spouses will say, well, no. And then we start talking about it. And I say, well, have you ever said, I can't get a job here? I can't go back to school here. I don't know how to fit in here. I, you know, all of those kind of statements and they're like, you see the wheels start turning and they're like, yes. And I said, okay, so that's allowing a geographic location to dictate what we're doing in our life. But you could still get a job there. You could still go to school there. It might not be doing exactly what you want to do, but there's still opportunities for you. So really discussing those life-changing moments is a big thing for military spouses. That's probably where the workbook starts um, taking like that deep turn for people. And they start having to see, I'm really having to like think about this. I'm really having to be honest with myself and, and, and really maybe address things that, like you said earlier, you've pushed down that you don't want to address. So there's that part of the workbook. Um, and then we, we talk about um, challenges, barriers, and, and fears. Because ultimately, um, when you talk about your passion and purpose and why you're not achieving it, it's because of a fear. It's a fear of failure. Maybe it's even a fear of success. What if this is so successful and I have to leave it? What, what if this? And so it's that fear and having them write the information on paper and really see it and work through it um, allows them an opportunity to recognize like what's stopping you. And every time it's you stopping. You. Can you give a couple of it's examples of what school. you're seeing as you're leading it's these workshops of you. people who are, um, who are being, who are stopping themselves when they realize it? 
Yes. So I have had, um, so an example, I had a spouse who um, was really wanted to go back to school and the was very passionate about wanting to go back to school and had, we worked through it in the workshop and um, had got to the point of all the barriers and challenges. And ultimately what it came down to is there was an opportunity for her to go back to school. It was that she was afraid of failing at not getting that scholarship she applied for. And in not getting the scholarship she applied for, not only did she not get it, and is that another barrier to going to college, but it was deeper than that. It was, am I not good enough? Am I not deserving enough? They don't see me as deserving enough to get this scholarship. So it was more deeper, like, do I want to take that risk and, and fail or not achieve what I want? So I've had that in one. Um, I've had um, military spouses who have had opportunities for um, or moved to a new place and have wanted to work. And there's been a job that does fit their passion and purpose, um, but they haven't taken it because, or, or they haven't gone for it because of another thing. They're afraid of rejection they're afraid of that failure. They're afraid to take it and then let down the company when they have to leave. Mm -hmm. You know, that's another thing. Um, and then they talk themselves out of it. So they'll be like, Oh, but now my resume is going to show I'm at this job for a year and I'm at this job for two years and I'm here. And they, they talk themselves out of it. Um, instead of seeing the opportunities and saying, you know what, even if I'm at this job for one year, I'm an asset to that company. I can leave it better than I found it and can maybe help them achieve their next goal for that company. Um, and so I think we worry about all the what ifs so much and all the barriers that we can't take sight of the opportunity that's there. So let me ask a question. Um, I'm just curious on whether or not, maybe you're, you're not, uh, but I'm I'm curious on whether or not you're seeing any issues of entitlement and um, anger or resentment. So I'm and I'm not at all saying that all spouses are are struggling with that. But I guess there's a few out there that reach a point of frustration to the point that they haven't been able to do what they wanted to do. That they are um, wanting to walk back in with this newfound I can do this for myself and do it to the point of um, being destructive. Do you know what I'm asking? Um, how do you teach this yes. in such a way so that we don't have spouses coming back and saying, I've rediscovered my purpose and now it's going to be all about me. <laughs> yes. So I don't, I, I'm like one of those people who I really do not like using the word balance. I try to use the word harmony, that things are in harmony with each other. Um, because when I see balance, I think an eight hour work day with an eight hour review day, and it just doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you can just kind of get your, your passion, your purpose, your responsibility, um, whatever it may be in harmony with each other, then it's really good. And so, um, you know, that's another aspect of this book is, is once you find out what you're doing and when you get there, and you start living every day in your passion and purpose, how do you 
maintain it mm. the right way? Like, how do you maintain it? How do you not allow it to be destructive? Um, so, you know, what a, a scenario is, you know, let's say you are the primary parent to your child and you are a mother uh, and you are a stay at home spouse and then you do find your passion and maybe your passion is running. Okay. Let's use this as an example. And let's say you start living that, but you realize I'm spending three hours a day running and I'm not in harmony with what my family needs, some of my responsibilities. So we have to be very cautious on, you know, having too much of a good thing, right? Like you, you have to really take a look at that and realize, you know, I can love running and I can go running every day but I need to also make sure that the other things in my life that are part of my identity and that are my responsibilities that I'm able to do those as well. I wonder if your why is why this is so important, right? Yeah. So I see this mm -hmm. a lot for um, military and first responder spouses who get into um, starting a business um, because they have been pushed to the point of not having anything for themselves and then they swing the pendulum to the other side. Um, I've actually had spouses say to me, um, I've been revolving around him my whole life. It feels like now he has to revolve around me. Right. And so if that is yeah. our why, right, if that's our why, then I think we are going to swing the pendulum to the other side. But what I'm hearing you say is if you can define your why that you, that your sense of why is a deeper sense of purpose a deeper sense of joy, a passion that you've always wanted to do, um, then you're not going to be motivated from such a um, strong, negative, aggressive place. Yes. So, you know, I, I always use myself as an example. And um, when I decided and really came to the conclusion that doing this workbook, doing workshops, getting out and and getting into the spouse community and working with them is what I was so passionate about. Um, and I'm to the point to where I'm doing this. I have to really be cautious of knowing when to say, no, I can't do another presentation. No, I can't travel there because I have responsibilities. I have a role to play and there's a way to be in harmony with that. And if I say no, to not doing this presentation doesn't mean I'm not living my passion and purpose anymore. That's not what that means. Um, it just means that I know that I have to make sure that this is all in line and that I don't swing the pendulum to where I get to the point of this, the opposite of what we're trying to do to where I'm only living my passion and purpose. And I'm not living for other parts of my identity, which is being a mom and being a military spouse and being available um, when that TDY comes and that next, you know, move comes or, or start living your, your why and living your passion and purpose and getting to the point to where you dig your feet in and say, no, I'm, I am living how I want to live right now. And I don't want to make this next move. I'm not going to make this next move. So we have to also keep that side, you know, in mind. And that's part of, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but the continuation of this workbook is living your spark. How do you live it the right way? Like, how do you maintain it? How do you not allow it to swing all the way to the other side? You know, 
how do you keep it in harmony? Um, you know, people always say like, you know, you can't have it all. Well, no, you can't have it all, but you can have it all to you, to what's for you, what's important for you. Um, and, and what your, you know, definition of have it all is that, you know, there's a way to do that properly. I so love it. And I love, um, and I'm going to have to embrace cause I use the word balance a lot and I love your use of harmony. I, what have you heard from people as you've kind of closed out the workshops? Um, what have you heard from people when they've maybe said or defined their new sense of purpose? What have been some of the more rewarding things that they've conclusions that they've walked away with? I, um, I have had so many amazing stories come into my inbox since this workbook. I have had, um, one say, you know, spouses say I have been, you know, just stuck in this rut and now I'm mentoring spouses to do this. I was stuck in a rut and I came to your course and this one particular spouse is in mine. Um, she wanted to work in the special need community. She also has a child with special needs. So we have a really close bond. And after my workshop, she went to the place where she wanted a job and she prayed over the door of that office every day. And guess what? She's got that job today. Awesome. She's got that job. It's only been like two months. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. And she's just like, you don't understand. I was so unhappy when I got to this duty station. My marriage was unhappy. Everything was unhappy because I didn't want to be here. And she's like, but I couldn't, you know, put that aside to recognize the opportunities that were in front of me and that my why is mm. here. My passion is here. And now she's, she's got this job and it's everything that she wants to do. And she's still being a mother to her child with special needs. And she's still being a phenomenal military spouse. And, and she's just recognized that she could have it. But when she first got there, she, she couldn't see it. She didn't see it. And so, um, I've had so many amazing testimonials come out of this work workshop, even right after the workshop, you know, people will come up to me and say, I almost didn't come to this. And I'm so glad I did. And this was way deeper than I thought it was going to be, but I needed to hear it. And that's enough for me. That's like me. I'm like, okay, but keep on with it. Keep going back to this book. Don't just put it down, pick it back up, refresh your memory, refresh your why, give yourself words of affirmation, change that positive thinking. You know, if you wake up every day saying, I don't like this duty station. I don't like my husband's work schedule. I don't like X, Y, and Z. That affects the way you think, you feel, and how you act. And that's not good for anyone. And, um, and there's simple things that I tell people in my workshop and, and, and I tell everybody this, my, um, I have done simple things in my life, like changing my passwords to, I love my husband because there are days where there's challenging moments in this military life. And, uh, when I go to open any kind of device and I have to type, I love my husband, it's a great reminder of positive thinking to not just be like, but I'm really angry with you right now, but I love you. And so maybe it's not that for you. Maybe it's that you're really in a place where you are just needing to love yourself 
value yourself. And maybe your password for a a while is you are valuable. You are valuable. And you, you see it and you hear it multiple times a day when you just simple, put it as your password. It's baby steps, right? It's big. And I agree with you. Um, yes, it can, there can be a cheese factor to it. If you don't actually believe it, if you're not, um, trying to change a pattern in the, in our self talk, but when you decide there's something I need to change about what I, how I view myself and how I talk to myself and how I met the perspective of, of where life has me right now. Um, those affirmations can be everything to change your perspective around, Um, So I I love that you are encouraging some of just the baby steps of just saying, you know, it starts small. One of my favorite phrases is, is start, um, start simple, but simply start, right? Just really small can make a huge difference. Like the password example that you gave, Um, you know, there's probably, I know there's people listening right now that are like, how is it possible for me to get hands on the workbook? So can you give some information as to if somebody is interested in discovering your spark, what can they do? So right now um, I have partnered with the USO. Um, so the USO website, the main USO, um, you know, .org website has an event tab that will have where I'm going to be and what basis. Um, if you are, you know, at a base where you would like for me to come there, you can contact me um, on my social media page, which it's the et symbol Air Force Soy, S-O-Y 17. So that's how you would search me in Facebook. And you can send me a message. If you just need to talk or chat or throw out an example, you can contact me there. And um, we are working on a landing site to where we can have requests for the workbook how to get the workbook or maybe even PDF copies of the workbook. Um, and then we're also pursuing an avenue of, of like a, a podcast type to cover one specific topic in the workbook, you know, every week or two. So, I mean, there's a lot in this book, so that would definitely mm-hmm. take us a long time to even get through. Um, but just focusing on one little piece, one nugget of it at a time um, is where we're at right now. And, uh, and I just want everybody, my mantra right now is turn your can'ts into cans. We live so much of our life on things that we can't do. And this is me. I don't want to get emotional, but watching and having a son who is physically and mentally, um, disabled. Like I know that I recognize it and I accept it. But when I see him do one thing that I was told he wouldn't do, I every day remind myself, I'm turning every can't that I have into a can. If my son will work desperately to get a sound out of his mouth, then I can work to turn one of my can'ts that I don't think I can do into a can. So I challenge every military spouse do that. Work on that. Be more and, and challenge yourself every day to not let your can'ts overtake what you can do with your life. Brittany, I love you dearly as a sister, uh, military spouse, sister, if you will. Uh, I'm just so thankful for you. I'm thankful that um, you have used your story 
to um, go out and serve other people. And your authenticity, no doubt, is changing people's lives. And so I'm so grateful that you gave some time to share a little bit of your joy, your spark with everybody else, because it definitely makes, makes me smile. And I know there's other people that are listening today that feel um, encouraged, that maybe um, have some things that they can go home and start journaling um, and take those baby steps, uh, maybe reach out to you and maybe at least follow you so that they can see this evolve and maybe bring it to their own installation. And so thank you for being somebody who wants to be a part of something bigger than yourself and has stepped outside of your world and your circle to serve people. And thank you for giving me your time today. Thanks for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these conversations as being free of advertising or sponsorship, please help me by spreading the word to other military and first responder families that might benefit from the show. If you'd like to find out more about me or LifeGiver, you can find more information at www.coryweathers.com or life-giver.org.